So again, thank you so much for your participation. Um, I'm going to say just a very few words, and, and I am going to start, first of all, by saying a big thanks to all of you. Um, these days have ways of running up and down a little bit. Um, there are frustrations. There are reassurances in the same three sentences. So thank you all for, for all of your input. Um, I need a slide. So I get to say a couple things here, but they're only going to be a very couple. Um, one of the things that I think adds to the richness of this whole discussion is frankly this. Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about um, very pointed matters, but I have to say for me, particularly as American living abroad, that this is really what I want to promote, because this is about more women, and it's about diversity and a cultural exchange, which I gotta believe lifts the whole game on all that we've discussed today. So that's a general point. Um, the, the second, the final couple points I want to make is there's a couple things we've been talking about in the halls that didn't really bubble up today. Uh, and one of them is fairness in competitions. Now, we've had a lot of stories. We all know people whisper about the Reichstag or the British Museum. So I just want to say that that is another focus of our leadership team that we, we must demand fairness in the way competitions are decided. They, they, they just can't be rigged or the whole thing is undermined. Um, I think the other priority that we want, which I suppose goes along with that, is, is transparency uh, as, as one of my conclusions. And then I think finally, if, if everyone, kind of at every level, whether it's the process that they had in Genoa and the, the process itself, or the outcomes like some of the spectacular work we saw today, um, that the pursuit of excellence must be at the base that we have. Now, those are very general. You're off the hook with me. And now we're going to hear some conclusions. And I think ultimately a declaration, chaps, or something of that sort. They're looking at each other pensively. Yes, something of that sort. All right, Thomas, I'll hand it to Thomas to start. I'll start only by introducing Eric Wirt who is uh, Vice President of the National Council of the Order of Architects of France. So I'd like Eric to begin, and then we'll talk to Georg, and then I'll conclude. Donc, je vais m'exprimer en français. Hein. Nous sommes à Paris. Ce sera plus confortable pour vous et pour moi. Je voulais d'abord excuser... Je voudrais excuser mon président, Denis Dessus, qui n'a pas pu être là. Et je le regrette parce qu'il a quasiment consacré sa vie, lui, à la défense des concours. Donc, euh, il est très désolé de ne pas être là. Il m'a demandé de le remplacer et c'est ce que je fais avec plaisir. En France, les architectes sont gâtés. Ils ont une loi sur l'architecture qui a décrété, il y a plus de 40 ans, que la création architecturale était d'intérêt public. Ils disposent également d'une loi sur la maîtrise d'ouvrage public, dite loi MOP, qui a consacré le rôle distinct de chaque intervenant, maître d'ouvrage, maître d'œuvre et entreprise, et donc l'indépendance de l'architecte. Le concours d'architecture découle de ces lois. Le concours est le meilleur moyen de choisir un architecte, un projet, et donc de garantir la qualité architecturale, paysagère, environnementale et urbanistique d'un site ou d'un bâtiment. Il favorise l'innovation, notamment dans le logement social et la qualité environnementale. Sous réserve, bien sûr, et ça a été évoqué tout à l'heure, que la question ait bien été posée, c'est tout le sujet de la qualité du programme, et sous réserve aussi que le jury soit compétent. 
ça veut dire un jury où la présence des concepteurs est majoritaire. En France, elle est d'un tiers, ce qui est insuffisant, mais néanmoins qui permet de, de bien avancer. Alors pourquoi, pourquoi cet engouement en France pour les concours que les architectes français défendent corps et âme, et notamment au moment de modifications législatives, comme encore récemment avec la loi Elan Un concours, on l'a vu, ça coûte cher, c'est fatigant et surtout c'est très risqué. Qui ne préférerait pas, peut-être, une commande directe La réponse est que les architectes français sont convaincus que le concours produit les meilleurs projets au service de l'intérêt général. Et c'est cet intérêt général qui a été décrété dans la loi sur l'architecture de 1977 qui est leur moteur, qui est leur ADN. Seul compte le projet et sa pertinence. Le concours est également le lieu du débat démocratique autour du projet, entre les décideurs, les concepteurs, les administrations et les usagers. Le... Combien de jeunes agences ont émergé grâce au concours nos grands prix d'architecture français, nos stars, on a vu ce matin Dominique Perrault, Jean Nouvel, Rudy Ricciotti, sont tous des enfants du concours. Il faut maintenant rayonner l'architecture française dans notre pays, mais également et peut-être surtout à l'étranger. Grâce au concours, nous avons en France une architecture publique contemporaine de très grande qualité, et cela dans tous les territoires, que ce soit dans les villes ou dans les plus petits villages. Et on sait que la qualité architecturale de la commande publique tire celle de la commande privée. En France, au-delà de certains seuils d'honoraires, qui est environ de 210 000 euros, le concours est obligatoire. Obligatoire. Il est anonyme, il est restreint et à deux tours. Le jury sélectionne d'abord quelques architectes, trois en général. Et quand je dis architectes, ce n'est pas architectes, ce sont des équipes, on a parlé de multidisciplinarité, ce sont toujours des équipes de maîtrise d'œuvre, architectes, bureaux d'études, paysagistes, etc. Donc il choisit ça parmi les candidatures présentées, il choisit ensuite un lauréat parmi les trois ou quatre projets qui sont présentés. Cette deuxième phase de procédure, ça a été évoqué aussi, est indemnisée. Ça représente environ 80% de sa valeur. Ce que nous, nous envie beaucoup, bien entendu, beaucoup de confrères étrangers, et ils sont nombreux et qui n'hésitent pas effectivement à venir tenter leur chance en France. Nous tenons tout particulièrement à ce modèle français du concours restreint, désolé Regina, à deux tours et indemnisé par rapport au concours ouvert pratiqué ailleurs. En effet, qu'est-ce qui fait la spécificité d'un architecte Ce sont ses idées. On vient le chercher parce qu'il sait construire, mais surtout pour son imagination. Ça veut dire que ses idées, c'est ce qu'il a de plus précieux, c'est ce qui vaut le plus cher. Dans un concours ouvert, on donne ses idées gratuitement. Or, si nos idées sont gratuites, ça veut dire qu'elles ne valent rien, que nous ne valons rien. Vous l'avez compris, un concours doit être indemnisé. Avez-vous déjà calculé le coût d'un concours ouvert pour la profession Le concours du Guggenheim de Helsinki, 1715 projets. Ça représente plus de 20 millions d'euros d'investissement à perte pour la profession. On argumente souvent, et ça a été dit tout à l'heure aussi, que les concours ouverts laissent leur chance aux jeunes architectes. C'est vrai, il y a eu des exemples remarquables dans le passé. On peut citer le duo Piano Rogers pour le concours du Centre Beaubourg, mais cela reste une exception, parce que les jeunes agences en font un, en font un deuxième, et ensuite elles s'épuisent, elles prennent trop de risques, faute de moyens. Et ce sont au final, encore une fois, les plus grosses agences, celles qui ont beaucoup de moyens, qui ont des grosses structures, qui sont les plus avantagées. Et parce qu'elles peuvent se permettre d'en faire beaucoup et surtout d'en perdre. Les concours ouverts, idéalement à deux tours, doivent rester l'exception et réservés à des projets emblématiques, comme le projet que nous a présenté tout à l'heure mon ami Diego Zopi. En France, on l'a expliqué tout à l'heure, le concours est obligatoire. 
Comment imaginer un concours ouvert pour chaque école, pour chaque salle de sport Et ça a été dit aussi par toi, il faut imaginer pour une petite école le nombre de jours qu'il faudrait un jury pour analyser les projets qui viennent par dizaines, voire par centaines, même sur des sujets modestes. Les collectivités n'en auraient pas les moyens et ça signifierait pour nous probablement la mort du concours. Ça ne veut pas dire qu'en France tout est rose, loin de là. Vous le savez, la commande publique ici sera raréfie inexorablement. Certaines lois, comme la loi Elan, sont, se sont directement attaquées au concours et aujourd'hui le logement social se fait hors du cadre du concours alors que c'est là qu'il faut être le plus innovant. Les marchés publics globaux de performance, les, les contrats de conceptualisation se généralisent. Ils ont été en plus vraiment généralisés par cette fameuse loi Elan que j'évoquais tout à l'heure. Dans ces groupements concepteurs entreprises, l'architecte n'est plus le décideur et il perd son indépendance. Et de plus, ce sont seules certaines agences bien introduites qui sont appelées par un petit cercle d'entreprises, fermant définitivement la porte de la commande publique à tous les autres. Enfin, de nouveaux types de consultations arrivent, type préaventé Paris. Dans ces procédures où on met en compétition des groupements architectes-investisseurs, les places là aussi sont rares et les architectes prennent de très très gros risques. En bref, il y a beaucoup moins et de moins en moins de concours en France. La concurrence est donc très rude entre les architectes. Il y a énormément de candidatures, même pour des petits projets. Il devient donc très difficile, voire impossible, pour des jeunes agences d'être retenues pour concourir et donc pour avoir une chance d'accéder un jour à la commande. Quand les maîtres d'ouvrage ont le choix, ils préfèrent effectivement ce qu'ils considèrent ne pas prendre de risques et prendre des équipes beaucoup plus confirmées. Et je dis qu'aujourd'hui, nous sommes en train de sacrifier une génération d'architectes. Il faut donc beaucoup plus de concours partout, dans le secteur public, dans le secteur privé, ce que dit la loi sur l'architecture, que je vais vous citer. Les maîtres d'ouvrage publics et privés favorisent pour la passation des marchés de maîtrise d'œuvre ayant pour objet la réalisation d'un ouvrage d'un bâtiment, l'organisation de concours d'architecture, procédures de mise en concurrence qui participent à la création, à la qualité et à l'innovation architecturale et à l'insertion harmonieuse des constructions dans leur milieu environnement. Donc pour répondre un peu à la question qu'on a eue tout à l'heure du Habitat, en fait il faut que nous ici, les professionnels, l'UIA, le CAE, fassent preuve de beaucoup de pédagogie pour qu'il y ait beaucoup plus de concours, pour que nous fassions comprendre tout l'intérêt pour la société de mettre en place cette démarche qualité de la production architecturale. Ce colloque aujourd'hui participe à cette prise de conscience et c'est pour ça que nous remercions et l'UIA et le CAE, mais également l'UNESCO, d'affirmer ici, aujourd'hui, que le concours d'architecture, quelle que soit sa forme, ouvert, restreint, un, un ou deux tours, indemnisé ou non, est le meilleur moyen pour choisir un architecte et son projet, et donc de produire un cadre de vie de qualité, facilement appropriable par la population et les usagers. Thank you Thomas, thank you Sean Georg, merci Madame Azoulay, et bien sûr, vive les concours d'architecture. C'est un manifeste. Euh, je ne réponds pas du tout ce que tu as, à tout ce que tu as dit parce que c'est un peu, un, 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 disons, un, un discours interne un peu plus, un, un discours un peu trop technique à mon avis pour le moment. And now I continue in English um, because it's a bit easier. Sorry. Uh, I, I want to come back uh, to a thought which was brought in by a project from uh, Juan Santanieto. This wonderful building in Estonia, I've, I've seen it uh, this spring. It's, it's, of course, a great building because it has a great concept behind, which you showed us. 
And it has another thing also, and as there is nobody from Estonia who could explain, I try to do it. It's, uh, the, the, the state built it because of the 100 years anniversary of, of Estonia, of independency. And it dedicated it to an artist, to a musician, to a composer. And what is the exceptional thing, and this is what I really like, because I would also say you need brave clients for a good project. It doesn't go without a brave client, without a, a bit crazy client in the positive sense. And the crazy thing, what they did is actually that this composer is not yet dead. Because in all our countries, you have to die before you get your own museum built by the country. But in Estonia, they do it when the guy is still alive. He's 80 and he's kicking. So that's, that's the great thing what I like, besides the beauty of the, of, the, of the place. And you all have to go there if you are in Estonia, in the, in the Baltics. It's, it's a must. Anyway, Estonia has a very lively, young, fresh architecture, a lot of competitions, a lot of very beautiful approach of using, contacting old and new buildings. It's a great country in my view, and very digitalized. It's another point. So, but what I, next point I want to say, it's coming a bit back to Uc, uh, because buildings like these ones, this is quite okay. In most of the cases, in many countries, it's clear there has to be the highest quality, we have to make a competition, a good process, but uh, I'm more actually, I'm also after the big buildings, but they are doing well in my view, but I, I, I like to talk about the everyday architecture, where people are living, where people are working, and the public space where people are meeting. This is a very, very long and broad field, and actually, as Uc said, the Mies van der Goe crisis, the last two ones, this was housing and general housing, and it was also a reuse of a structure of the 60s, 70s, which in the Netherlands case, it was already 80% of the whole thing was demolished, and Alexander uh, Vermeulen and Vincent started with his office to renovate the last uh, one which was still there. And this goes, align, goes in line with the uh, work plan for culture of the, of, the, of the European Council, where it stated that architecture is of the common good. And this term is very important because being in the, for, for the common good is not, not very far from the, from the general interest. And this is where we have to end up politically. This is my message. Architecture, built environment is of general interest and is a different thing than just building a house. There are various procedures existing. We have heard a lot of procedures today from, from different architects. And in my view, my definition of architectural design competition that it is it's a quality-based and project-orientated procedure. Quality-based means it's based on the quality, which is assessed by a professional jury. And therefore, they don't look to anything else than of the quality of the project, which fulfills the need of the brief, which is defined there clearly and, and unambiguously project orientated because it's not orientated to the past what somebody has done perhaps in his early times and we assume that he might have an idea again which sometimes does not happen but it's project orientated it means it's, pro it's orientated to the future to the project which shall be built based on the decision of the competition what it needs is a good preparation the client has to know what he wants Otherwise, it's not possible. He should count his money. Otherwise, it's neither possible, and he should own the land where he wants to build. At least this, he has to make a very clear and short, please, brief. And he should never, the competition shouldn't be overloaded. There I'm contradicting some former interventions. I 
I, 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 I um, vote for keep it slim. We, we search concepts, we search ideas, we search not even sometimes a preliminary design, we search a concept and we search what you said, potential. That's the job of the jury, to find the potential of the project and not to find the proper detail of whatsoever staircase railings, which anybody anyway shall be able to do. Openness, I plea for openness, and I also think it needs a good mix. If there is no openness, there is no good mix, there is no access, and uh, of course, on the other side, it needs also a proper compensation. In my view, I am also personally, but it's always case-to-case -case question, I'm in favor of the two-stage thing. First stage, slim, slim, slim. Second stage, renumerated as good as possible with a, with a pre-selection of projects. And uh, we should, as architects, we shouldn't more use digital tools. I say a few words about a digital tool which we have introduced in Austria during my presidency in Austria. It's a database about architectural competitions and the front end, what you see on the screen, is a web page. And there are all competitions announced. There are also, you can see all the results, you can see all the jury protocols. And you can see years ago, it runs now since 10 years, you can see the build project, the executed project at the end. And the political uh, tool of this, of this web page is that the competitions announced, they have on the side a green, a yellow, or a red hand. The green hand means they go in cooperation with the representative organization, which is not obligatory, of course, uh, by law, but if they cooperate, they get the green hand. The yellow hand means it's uh, not a cooperation, but it might go well. And the red hand, there is now written anything else because uh, we got some letters from lawyers who say you cannot discriminate us, blah, blah, blah. So red hand has no text, but perhaps people understand. And it lead it actually without any pressure then by this offer to a better discipline of the quality of the competitions. Quite simple. I recommend using such kind of tools which are not uh, it's not a, not, not a, how to say, a, a foreschrift, it's, in German, it's, it's um, an obligation, it's not a law. You are not uh, obliged to do that, but you can do it. It's like, it's communication, more or less. A few figures uh, I also want to say about the financial aspects. Uh, we have made also some, re some qu a questionnaire in our sector study, ACE produces every second year a sector study, also with the help of Creative Europe, and uh, analyzing the profession, who we are. We know better who we are because we know what we earn, what we, what we do, which kind of projects we are doing, etc., etc. And I quote some figures from a similar study, study from in Austria, which we also do there. Uh, Austrian architects invest uh, between 60 and 80 millions per year in architectural design competitions. They get back, to say so, 200 to 260 million value of uh, contracts, of commissions, and the prize money is only 15 to 70 million. What I want to say with that, and this is the main message, if a profession inv invites 60 million per year, and on the European level it might be around 450 million per year, if I make the same calculation, then I, I say this is investment in what we call Baukultur, in the quality of the built environment. It's an investment of the profession. And what we expect at least, this is not the only thing what we expect, but what we want to have is that, uh, that people rely and trust on the advice we give how to run these kind of procedures. 
it means to respect the rules. And there are basic rules. The ACE has uh, nine rules, and the uh, UAA has its, its rules for design competitions. And this is a very important fact that we respect the rules which the profession has developed during the last 150 years. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. With your permission, I'm going to sit here. Is that okay? Is that all right? I'm not going to stand at the podium. You know, um, the Sydney Opera House celebrated an important anniversary last year. And in the Secretariat, we had a chance to look at materials um, from when that competition was held. Here's some facts. The rule book for the competition was 16 pages long. Seven of those pages were photographs of the site. The submission by the winner of the competition had seven drawings in it. That's the entirety of the submission. How times have changed. Um, I'd like to just, I, I'm going to say a little bit of what, what I've heard. Uh, I was very intrigued by Dominique Perrault and his discussion about the changing nature of consultation. He urged a widening of the judgment process. He urged uh, what I would call an opening of the discussion. He uh, showed some examples of using digital tools uh, to sort of enhance engagement and allow involvement. And he characterized all of that as follow, following into or flowing into a more disciplined and professional consultation. I think that's very interesting, and I think that's something to answer Jose Luis. That's something we need to take on board and start thinking about is how are we going to accommodate some of these new interests and pressures that are available to us and, and assailing us. This conference was supposed to be about the link between design competitions and quality in building. And the question remains, do they produce better buildings? That's a question, I think. And I heard a couple of things, first from Kurt Fentress. And I think, Kurt, what I heard is that you said Mere exposure and the fact that design competitions are exposed to so much scrutiny and attention gives a kind of power and um, maybe a, uh, an impetus to excel and, and be successful. Um, and I think that's interesting. I heard a similar phrase from Friedrich, I think, about um, the jury decision giving you greater strength and sort of helping you to carry through the design as it was originally envisioned. I think those are interesting points. But we didn't talk much about whether they produce better buildings, and um, I think that's an area for further discussion. We got into this whole business of social housing, um, public housing, affordable housing. If you don't live in Red Vienna, or a city that has a history of public housing, the chances are you live in a place where the resources available for those purposes are for all practical purposes gone and not coming back anytime soon. That's just the nature, I think, of the tax environment and the attitudes, especially in the Western world, but not only in the Western world. We've got seven and a half billion people on this planet, about a billion of them, and you know this, Emma Maloyo, are building places for themselves with whatever they can find, anytime they can find it on land that they can claim. Nairobi has the biggest slum in Africa, 
Uh, and you said it, about 60% of that city is slums, people living in squatted land on things they build themselves. So I'm very drawn to the work of Francis Quere, of Aravena, and others who have accepted the fact that many people on this planet are going to build for themselves. And I think it's very interesting to explore whether that's possible in a modern city like London. Is it possible that people could, in some manner, build for themselves in a modern city uh, in some regulated way? And Wang Shu has looked at this in, in Beijing, uh, and it's very interesting. But I think competition could illuminate and bring new ideas to the whole question of how are we going to help these people who are not simply in the developing world. I mean, you know, I come from a city where there are 30% of the people who don't have full-time employment and who are living in subsidized housing. Uh, that's a very difficult problem any, any part of the world that you're in. It really helps to have a global vision. And I got this from Diego and, and the presentation on Genoa. I think if a project fits into some global vision, comprehensive view of what a city should be and what it's trying to do, that just makes such an enormous difference. Uh, and it isn't then a sort of one-off thing in the landscape that you know people come to ogle or, or admire or not, as the case may be. And I noticed in the film um, that you're linking these things to events and to things that take place in the city, and I think that's a very interesting approach. You said if you want good answers, ask a good question. I think that's a wonderful phrase, and it's certainly apt for uh, design competitions. Um, it helps to have a city councillor who's an architect, too, I notice. and. Uh, more of us should work on making that happen in the places where we live, it seems to me. Finally, I, I really um, liked the fact that Friedrich uh, ended, I suppose, on a note of optimism. And in fact, the very name of your firm is optimistic. So uh, it really requires it, doesn't it, to sort of stick with this profession and to keep on going and to sort of do what's necessary to prevail and to succeed. You have to be optimistic. And you have to believe um, that it's going to turn out all right. Uh, and I, you know, it's wonderful to exhort us to work on what we like. <laughs> I wish that were always true. Um, but uh, it's certainly something to strive for. Uh, we're going to close this evening uh, with um, uh, Lazare Elondou, who uh, is uh, representing Ernesto Otene, who is, uh, in fact, out of the country and uh, had to leave at the very last minute. And uh, Lazar is a very good friend to our profession. He is himself an architect, and uh, he holds a position within UNESCO that's very influential and, and uh, a place where he can advocate strongly for the things that we have been talking about today. So before turning it over to you, Lazar, to uh, say goodbye, let me just thank uh, Stephen Reinke for the yeoman's work that he put in today. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, <laughs> let me also acknowledge um, the staff of the UI Secretariat here in Paris who are just around the corner. Most of them are sitting over there. Why don't you wave? I don't know where Sonia and Emma have gone. but.
my sincere thanks to all of you uh, for your work, and my thanks to the group out there for your attentiveness and engagement today. Lazar, over to you. Let me be here then. It's going to be a little bit formal, but thank you so much for uh, giving us this opportunity. Of course, as you would have understood, I'm not Mr. Otone, but I'm very glad to be Lazar. And uh, I'm also very glad and honored to uh, uh, have the opportunity to uh, say a few words at the closing of this day because I must say, I've been in this house for 17 years. I think it's really the first time I see so many architects in the room at UNESCO. And believe me, I feel very proud of that. Thank you so much for, for telling my other colleagues how proud I am to be an architect. And uh, even more before and today, it's going to be even much more. So thank you very much. Though, George Thomas, um, and uh, also uh, George, and, uh, and, and colleagues, friends. Um, I think uh, what I'm going to say on behalf of UNESCO will probably sound a little bit too much culture, but that's probably the beauty of this initiative that you've taken to come to our house, the UNESCO house, and to discuss such an important subject which is so important for the way we are looking at the built environment and the cities. So it's really a great pleasure for us to, um, for the rest of uh, this, uh, and really to say goodbye to you. Uh, what we've seen today, uh, it's so important. What you've said, what you stressed, that design competitions are fundamental uh, tools for ensuring the quality in the built environment. It's so true. And I like to take what uh, uh, you said later uh, uh, today. Someone said, Vive le concours d'architecture. So that's going to be my entry point culture. Yes. Uh, we also believe that uh, the quality of built environments are crucial for one of our mandates which is safeguarding cultural heritage. Because this is a major concern of UNESCO, you know. You agree with me that uh, poorly designed or poor quality interventions in or uh, around, you know, uh, places that are of cultural significance uh, may threaten, you know, their integrity uh, and uh, sometimes run counter of the, some of the principles that we have through our international instruments, such as the World Heritage uh, Conventions. Uh, because safeguarding World Heritage, it's more than only protecting individual sites and buildings, you know, really maintaining uh, the integrity and authenticity of these places, particularly in cities, you know, and uh, others require us to safeguard, you know, the surrounding urban uh, 
fabric uh, as well. Um, so, you know, quality built environments uh, are also key for making cities people-centered, uh, which is a concept I like very much, and also environmentally uh, sustainable. Uh, sorry, uh, Thomas. The word is a UNESCO word and is a UN word, uh, which will be uh, crucial uh, to the achievement of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Yeah. Above all, as we have seen, quality built environment have this exceptional potential to save lives. Let's be clear on that one. It's true. This is why uh, quality must be such a key component of design competitions. And this is also the reason why standards such as those you have been developing over the years, you know, through the UIA, through ACE, uh, and of course UNESCO, are so important. Uh, the Director General, Madame Audra Zule, said it this morning uh, that uh, we are working to together. And I think having this uh, uh, conference today, uh, which is a, a joint conference between UIA and SCE, uh, demonstrates that uh, together we can continue to develop uh, these guidelines for architectural design competitions in and around also the UNESCO uh, important World Heritage uh, site, but not only World Heritage, but sites that are of important uh, cultural significance in urban areas, including also, you know, some of the tourism-related infrastructures that are important. So together with the UIA, uh, we are also, and uh, you know, uh, working to promote, you know, uh, the quality in the built environment and the safeguarding of the uh, architectural heritage through this initiative we mentioned, which is the World Capital uh, of Architecture uh, uh, Program. So once again, I think this morning uh, 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 you had the opportunity to listen to Mrs. Valeria Hassan. And we would like to thank her you know, uh, for this important uh, Rio initiative for 2020, where most of us will probably be, uh, be there. Uh, architectural designs competitions are important tools in UNESCO and the UIS Commons effort to safeguard cultural heritage in the urban context. Uh, design competition provides an opportunity to re-evaluate cultural heritage as a resource for the future, as something to be safeguarded, enhanced, and promoted. You have some tools that are important, which we also, you know, uh, mention in the uh, UNESCO to, I mean, in the Baukultur, which some of you referred, where I had the opportunity to be there with Jörg and some of you. Uh, the UNESCO 2011 recommendation on the historic urban landscape, which uh, has been adopted by uh, all UNESCO uh, member states, uh, very important also for us. So, again, design competitions that are truly participatory, and then you said it, uh, that put people and local communities at their center, 
as I've said before, also have the potential to foster social cohesion and integration, particularly for youth and people with disabilities. Let's not forget it. An architectural competition is also a cultural endeavor. That's true. It heightens public awareness of the cultural importance of civic architecture, promoting the dialogue and interest in contemporary architecture and architectural heritage. Design competitions promote creativity. And creativity, it's important and is at the heart of UNESCO's mandate. It promotes experimentation and innovation also, giving the opportunity to young architects and leading to the creation of entirely new forms in the built environment. Design competitions, therefore, go to the heart of the UNESCO's mandate to safeguard heritage and support creativity, particularly by empowering young creators. As architectural competitions have become increasingly recognized as a positive force for sustainable urban development, competition regulators such as the one of the SEE UIA have seen growing demands for more complex projects. Today, design competition focus not only on individual buildings, but also on wider cities in development, planning, and urban regeneration. In light of the expanding reach of architectural competitions, ensuring that these competitions are governed by robust standards, it's more important than ever, and you have said it through your different interventions. The evaluation of a design by an independent and international jury as required by the UNESCO UIA regulation ensures definitely transparency in the decision-making process. Colleagues, to conclude, as we have seen today, design competitions have helped launch the careers of many young architects and resulted in some of the world's most iconic buildings. So I'd like to conclude by reiterating again that it is our belief that competitions create opportunities. And we are confident, at least for us here at UNESCO, and I'm sure also you will share it with us, that today's discussion have created definitely new thinking, new ways, new opportunity for collaboration and innovation in this field. Each of you as architects, pioneers, or heritage experts, you have a fundamental role to play in making our cities more sustainable, more creative, and more connected to their heritage.
UNESCO definitely more than before stands ready to continue partnering with you, with the UIA, with SEE, with all of you, you know, in this important effort. In that note, I really wish to, I want to wish you a safe return to all your places and your countries and tell you once again that we were very honored to welcome you here at UNESCO. Thank you very much. We have drafted a declaration. No conference would be complete, especially not a UIA conference, without a declaration at the end. Having listened to Lazar's talk, I would just as soon make his speech our declaration. And I may uh, actually ask him for a copy of that, because I think it has some wonderful phrases in it. However, President Pendle and I are going to sign ceremoniously this uh, declaration, and I'm going to take the liberty of reading the first two paragraphs, all right? And they're the pithy parts. There's a lot of backup that goes with it. Um, architectural design competitions are among the most effective ways to achieve excellence in building and community design. They yield optimal concepts and plans for a given building program, a planning task, or a landscape design task. Because they are based solely on the quality of proposed solutions and focused on the specific needs of a carefully defined project, competitions result in high-value solutions of benefit to the end users, adding to the overall quality of life and design excellence in the built environment. The International Union of Architects and the Architects' Council of Europe urge policymakers and government bodies, and we're going to include private clients as well, to include architectural design competitions as a recommended procedure in public procurement laws in order to promote enduring, excellent, and responsible solutions for buildings and communities. That's the declaration. Thank you all for a wonderful day together, and I echo Lazar's sentiment. Safe trip home. Thank you for coming. See you again soon.